Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to another episode of Outside Shots. As always, brought to you by the good folks at OGs, the number one edible in the States. Uh, I'm joined by... At Jump Shot Eight, Eddie Johnson. I'm Saul Bookman. Thank you for joining us. Did you forget my time. name? No, you literally thing. almost forgot. No, my I threw name. out your Twitter handle. Something's What's wrong, wrong with you, man. And you know the well, you know I, I'm programmed to start at eight thirty, and so when people show up late, um, it's it, you know it throws me off my game a little bit. The internet's not, not working. <laughs> you know anything about this? <laughs> the internet's not working. No, do you know anything about this? You're trying to set me up for failure, of course. You know you this dude. This dude bragged when I first we first started doing brag. the show. Brag about what? About you can shoot. Now he bragged about how he was a great shooter in college. No, nope. and never said that. You said you you said that was the strength of your game. I said I could shoot. Yeah. Okay. But I didn't brag. It's not like the first thing I I came out show the box me. with with you. Show me. Show me. Oh my gosh, you're pick the ball. Though. You just. Show me. You want me to pick up? Show, show yeah. me. Show me. Pick, pick up this ball. Show me. Right show me. Show, yeah, We're going to just do this show, shit right here. Show me. Let me look at your right. form. Look at this. There we go. Oh, let, look. look you just copied what I did. That's pretty good. You're That's a good exactly learner. That's what you're supposed to do because you're, you're a, a good shooter, learner. Eddie. You're a good learner, man. <laughs> I'm a you're good, good learner. Anyway. I teach that for a living. You're a good guy. You're not a water boy. <laughs> so, hi, hi. Good morning, water boys, couch potatoes. <laughs> I love you. Trust me. I'm glad you jump in and listen to us. Hey, let's go. Let's I'd like it. to educate you guys. Let's do All it. Right? Uh, I have a question for you, Eddie. Everybody's preseason expectations were high in terms of the Suns and championship aspirations, obviously. Now that you have a big three, we haven't seen the big three yet, so it's kind of hard to, to have an assessment in totality. But I'm a little concerned, Eddie. I feel like some of the things that the Suns are doing on a day-to-day basis um, are not fixable by just Bradley Beal. And we'll get to Bradley Beal down the road. But um, I feel like right now, if you were to ask me, are the Suns a legit championship contender at this moment? I would say no, because they have not been able to put it together consistently enough um, with all the pieces that they have um, in a way against good teams that I feel like you need to. And so I wanted to get your perspective since you're there every single day um, and and you have a, a a different kind of outlook on on what the Suns provide and go from there. You're not wrong. Uh, there's only 21 games into the season, right? Uh, so we still got a long way to go. Uh, a lot of changes, uh, a lot of auxiliary pieces, new coach. Uh, it, this doesn't, you know, it's same old saying. Rome's not was not built in the yeah, day, yeah. and that's exactly. With basketball, you're seeing right now around the league, you're seeing some teams get off to great starts. The main reason is those guys have been together for a bit. Yeah. Case in point, Minnesota. Yeah. Like, 
the last couple of years, uh, you know, they have had their struggles, even though expectations were growing. Last year, I think disappointment, especially in the fact, you know, Rudy Gobert was not working out. Carl Anthony Towns had some injury issues. People didn't know if those two could play together. People didn't know if Carl Anthony Towns would relent to Anthony Edwards mm -hmm. as being the number one guy on the team. This year, all those things now have changed. Rudy Gobert is back to being Rudy Gobert that we know. Carl Anthony Towns is healthy and putting up great numbers. And then Anthony Edwards is special. Mike Conley now understands everybody as the leader and a facilitator. And what's happened? They got the best record in the league. So that's how you view it. So you're talking 21 games in. Uh, Bradley Beal, obviously out. Devin Booker's been out. Uh, KD has been, you know, surprisingly, if you had to pick one guy that probably wouldn't have played consistently early because of his age, it would have been KD. Yeah. And he's the one that's been there pretty much for the most part. So, yeah, it's, it's just – so you, I think we have to be happy in a little bit the fact that this team is sitting there at 12 and 9 uh, and, you know, really not cohesive and haven't been together all year. So, for me – I'm more so interested in how it's going to look at the end of the year. We, we've had the good record. Mm -hmm. We've had the great expectations. And I think, you know, I like the reverse part of this now. You know, to climb, to get better, to get healthier, to be able to be more cohesive. You know, all of that, uh, the growth of the role players uh, that's still, you know, getting their confidence and, and, and understanding what they have to do playing alongside – you know, three really tremendous players. So, yeah, you'd like it to be better. But I'm not worried right now. Uh, I'm worried about some things, obviously. Uh, and I know we were talking about the Laker game the other day. Uh, but, yeah, there's some things that definitely have to be shored up. But, you know, like you got to put the work in. They always say, "Put the, you know, we I put the work in. Well, we'll see. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I, I would agree – with that assessment, I'm not worried. I, I don't want to say that I'm worried, but I will say that, you know, I, I do think that there's there's a there's things to be concerned about, as you mentioned, the turnovers, um, the flare-ups of turnovers, I would say, and it feels like they come in flurries in some games, like the other night against the Lakers. Um, uh, offensive rebounding in this particular game was not great against one of the worst teams in the league, offensive rebounding-wise, the 28th in the league in the Lakers. Um, and and just the overall consistency of the of the role players, I think that's another concern of mine. I wonder, uh, from your perspective, do the Suns have enough outside of the big three to be able to get the job done when you know the rubber meets the road in the playoffs? Uh, should they be able to be fortunate enough to get there? Which I I know they will. I don't think we see the full makeup of what this team is going to look at look like come April. Think about it. Mm -hmm. You have a trade deadline. Uh, you have a buyout deadline. Veterans will be out there. Key guys that you can probably bring in don't have to really educate them to a high level. They'll be able to, you know, fit in rather quickly. So I would not say that this is the full team that we're going to see come April. Uh, and so, you know, I would just encourage people to just be patient. And uh, but I like the guys that's that's here. Uh, 
you know, I think they'd probably like to get more minutes. Mm -hmm. You know, Metu probably would like to get more minutes. Uh, Bo Bo has not had an opportunity to play, uh, even though Frank Vogel continues to say that eventually he's going to play a role on this team. And uh, so, you know, they're working with him every day. Uh, he's a young player. Uh, sometimes there's some things you have to still get better at. Uh, ultimately, he'll get his shot, and he has to be ready to seize the opportunity and keep it. Uh, and so, yeah, like I said, I think tweaks will be made, and I don't think this is the end of the product here. When you, when you say tweaks, I, I assume you're thinking about a, a couple aspects of what the team is not really being uh, – not providing at, at a high level at the moment, right? What would be – a tweak that you would like to see in terms of either uh, personnel change or in in terms of something that needs to be shored up um, by the time we get to the playoffs? I think probably, you know, obviously, you know, size is always good, mm -hmm. you know, especially at the forward position. Uh, somebody that's very physical, uh, you know, and has some good size probably. I think, you know, if that person is out there, I'm sure they would have interest. Uh, obviously, you know, a point guard, just to have them there and ready, a veteran. Because uh, I think, you know, Saban Lee hasn't gotten an opportunity to play. Uh, he's another one. Uh, I think he showed us last year especially that I think he's capable, given the opportunity. He hasn't gotten that yet. Uh, so I would say point guard for sure, uh, defensive-minded guy for sure, uh, and a big guy, uh, somebody that's mobile, maybe make some shots. Yeah. Uh, and that guy's probably going to be out there. You know, the, the buyout always presents you somebody. And so I know it's going to happen. It happens every year. And the Suns just have to be ready to be able to pounce uh, when it happens. That's, that's kind of where I was going to go with this. I just feel like toughness um, was kind of glaringly obvious the other night. Well, against the Lakers. Against the Lakers, certain for sure. Certain, certain, certain teams, for like sure. Like, the, the Lakers are a physical team, man, and with LeBron and then the ability of AD to rebound the ball. Mm -hmm. And so uh, every team, every year, you can pinpoint as a player and you can say, man, they give us trouble. Like, every time we play them, they, they, they just give us trouble, right? So, so far this year, it's the Lakers. Uh, I think the Timberwolves could be that – Problem too because of their size, right? Uh, so those would, uh, you, without a doubt, New Orleans. Yeah, yeah, they're they're gonna be a problem uh, with their size and their physicality. So I would probably say those three teams uh, would be an issue, and that's why I think you probably have to shore that up a little bit. Yeah. Who do you think is gonna win tonight between the Pels and the Lakers? I, I think the Lakers are gonna win it all now. Oh, you do? Oh. You think they're going to beat the Bucks? Yeah, I oh. do. Oh. I do. Uh, one, it's going to be home games for them. True, true. Uh, and that dude right now, man, like I encourage you people. I keep saying it. I've been around the game of basketball all my life, basically. Okay? I've been involved in the NBA since I was 20 two years old, okay, 64. I've had hundreds of teammates. I've played against thousands of players. I have never seen any dude 
like that dude, LeBron James. I have never seen it from, from a full spectrum. Forget about who's the GOAT and all that junk, okay? This is not just basketball, in a sense. It's what surrounds him and how he approaches. I'm serious. Like, the other day, now, I want you all to think about this. Because a lot of people out there, once they get $10, they decide to stay home. Like, whatever makes you comfortable and you say, I'm good, your drive kind of wanes, right? Here's a dude that has been decorated since day one, mm-hmm. right? Since middle school, right? Since middle school, been decorated. Never had an opportunity to actually struggle in regards to what people looked at him as a basketball player. And once they figured it out, I mean, he's always not had any issue financially, Yeah. okay? So it's always, so what do you play ball for at a higher level? You want to be able to take care of your family. You want to be able to, you know, do well. He's covered all of that. He has a lifetime deal with Nike. He'll always be, it's an annuity, okay? He's always going to make a ton of money with Nike, all right? Uh, his contract status. He's, he's going to retire making the most up there at the top with most money any athlete has made. He makes the most money off the court. He's a billionaire. Okay? He's played in the NBA already, what? This is his 21st year? 20, mm-hmm. 21st year. Okay? So you got to understand how difficult it is to get yourself prepared to play. Like, I'm telling you, I played till I was 39, 40 years old. Man, I, I just, it just, the mentally, I was just gone. Okay? Some guys can't play that long. Just look historically. Great players, 12 years, 13 years. They just couldn't do it because of the grind. This dude is doing what he's doing in his 21st year. You will never see this again because most of these guys, they won't keep playing when they reach billionaire status, when they have tons of money in the bank. They're going to branch out and they're going to do other things. This dude is giving us a show still. 21 years later, he's still giving us a show. How does it work? I brought up that statement. You know, these guys always say, I'll put the work in. Mm -hmm. I'll put the work in. (laughs) Okay. What does that mean? You just go to the gym and you work on your game in the gym? Okay. What about the other stuff? Yeah. What about taking care of your body? Yep. What about getting your rest? What about all of that? What about working on your brain to psychologically push yourself when you know you're fatigued, you know you're worn down, you really don't want to play, and you get out there and you go through the motions? What about that? That's putting the work in. Yeah. This dude was at the arena the other night at 3.30. 3.30! When I would probably surmise most of the players were still asleep. He was there at 3.30. That's the difference. Yeah. So he wants to win this freaking tournament, man. Like, it's important to him, right? And And so... That's why I think that they're going to probably win it, man, because I just think that he he has made up his mind. He wants to win it, you know, and I think he wants to win it for guys on that team that that $500,000 is it could help them yeah. change their lives in a lot of ways, sure. man. Yeah. You know, even though they're in the NBA. And, and that's why I applaud him. So regardless what you think of him, 
passive aggressive, how he is and all of that. Everybody's something wrong with you. But ain't nothing wrong with you, something wrong with you. Forget about all that. From a pure basketball player and a commitment level, we have never seen anyone like him. Yeah. And and that, I will continue to tell people that. I I mean I I can appreciate that. Um I I listen, I I'm not the biggest fan of LeBron, but um I do respect what he's brought to the game. I do respect everything that he's built around himself. Um mm -hmm. his approach. Uh if 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 LeBron was a Phoenix Sun, uh he'd probably be one of my favorite players of all time. Right. For sure. You know what I mean? But I, I definitely think that he's one of the greatest of all time, more than just what he does on the court. I, definitely, a million percent. Like I, his cerebral or, uh, approach to things outside of basketball and to helping other people and himself and raise the standard of his of his own family um, is is to be admired and to be respected yeah. for sure. And so I, I a million percent. I, I think what he's brought to the game is, has been great, and the fact that he is championing this tournament that uh, that I would say 50% of the people are on board with and the other 50 uh, are not. And people are always going to try and find ways to tear something down that they don't really understand or they don't like. I think LeBron being a, a torchbearer for this, for this tournament is a great thing for the league. I think it's something the league needs. They need their superstars to want to want uh, to want to win this tournament because it'll provide some validity as they move forward. And I, and I think that's great. I, I love this tournament. I think it's been great. I think the games have been entertaining. They've been intense. It's They've been more than just a regular season game. They've been more. Like, you can't dispute that. The guys are far more into it than, than the other games that you see. I love it. And the fact that the NBA is detracting a little bit from the norm, because usually the NBA, quote-unquote, doesn't really start until Christmas, right? That's what we've always said for the longest time. Like, oh, it doesn't really – nobody pays attention until Christmas, right? Well, you're paying attention now, and that's a good thing yep. because the league, there's a lot of players right now that are just putting on shows. Mm -hmm. Tyrese Halliburton is going crazy, and we normally would not get to see him on the national stage. Hell, he even said it. This is like the first time he was on a national televised game the other night on Tuesday, and he's been in the league for like four years. Yeah. So it's significant for those types of players because now you get to see them on the national stage if you haven't been able to watch them normally because right. you don't have league pass or whatever. It's great. And so I'm I'm a big fan of this. I'm uh, it's it's been terrific. LeBron doing what he did the other night. I will say this. This is the, this is probably one of the few times where I've looked at LeBron and just been in awe because at 38 it was like whatever he wanted to do the other night, he was able to get done. Yeah, and he's doing it like Saul. He's like, okay, like for me, like okay, I've made my name as a guy that can you know shoot the ball, and that's how I play. But that wasn't like the full spectrum of my game. Mm -hmm. Like you know, people always sometimes they'll take the best part of your game when you're not quote unquote a superstar player, and they're gonna break you down because they want to justify why you're not a superstar player. Right, so for me, they would always focus toward, well, your defense is not that good. Or, you know, like, you know, uh, you don't get to the rim that well. And so they're going to break it down, right? But really, in the prime of my career, and, and I was more than a jump shooter. Like, I posted up, I put it on the floor, got to the rim. Like, I had a balance to my offense that made me a score. You don't score – 
you know, com- you know, combine regular season playoff twenty thousand points and not and just be a jump shooter. That just doesn't work that way. You got to have a full spectrum to your game. As I got older, that spectrum started to shrink even more. Right, I couldn't move laterally. Right, so now my defense was more highlighted. Highlighted. Right. And I had a hard time getting to the rim to keep guys honest from getting all up on me to be able to get my shot off. So what do I have to do? I got to (laughs) retire. You get it? So this dude, his full spectrum is still there. Yeah. Like, like he hasn't, of course, when he wants to defend, he can't defend for 48 minutes, but when he wants to, he'll do it. He just doesn't have the energy to do both. But in regards to driving the ball, mm-hmm. it's still there. Yeah. In regards to elevating and dunking on somebody, it's still there. And his jump shot's gotten better. Yeah. Because that was the weakest part of his game. Yeah. So that's what runs you out of the league. And so what he's done to the Suns this year three times, man. Suns have should have won three games from them, right? But the difference is his ability to get to the rim late in the fourth quarter, take over the fourth quarter, as he did again and be able to get the win. Like, Austin Reeves hit a big shot. He wasn't the reason the Suns really couldn't overcome them in the fourth. It was LeBron because he kept getting to the rim. So that, that's what I say, man. We There's a freak of nature deluxe, man. I Like, Russell Westbrook's like that, but he just doesn't have the game like LeBron to be able to, you know, persevere sure. in that regard. But it's a few guys. KD. I think KD be able to play as long as he wants, man. Like, KD, he doesn't get tired. <laughs> he still get his shot off on anybody, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't see much of a downfall from him. He's had the tough injuries. LeBron's been fortunate and he hasn't had them. But uh, KD is of that ilk, man. Yeah. Like, I think he can play till he's 40 easily, and I think he will because he loves the game too. Yeah. For sure. Like, I, I totally agree about that. We got a lot of people that are upset that we're talking about LeBron. And, like, just upset. Like, really in their feels about the fact that we're talking about LeBron. Like, listen, guys, like, I, I we're going to, we talk Suns all the time. We're going to talk more about the Suns, but we're going to talk about hoop. We're going to talk about ball. And if we talk about LeBron, we're going to talk about LeBron. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't really, know what their problem I don't is. know what the problem is either. Like, Hey, listen, we're not. This isn't the LeBron James podcast, but we just took ten minutes to talk about uh, what he has been able to prove out there on the court in relation to this what tournament and his career. There's nothing wrong with that. If you're in your feels about that, I'm sorry. Go watch something else then. But listen, we we love ball and we love good basketball, and we're going to talk about it. We just talked about Tyrese Halliburton. We just talked about uh, you know the Suns and where they where they where they they are in relation to the rest of the league and how they can improve. If we want to talk about LeBron James, cool. This doesn't mean like we're fanboys of LeBron James. I'm a Michael Jordan stan. I've always been a Michael Jordan stan. I love Michael Jordan, but Michael Jordan isn't playing right now. LeBron is against exactly. my favorite team. So Kobe's not playing. LeBron's like, not playing. Chill out, y'all. I mean, uh, Michael's not playing. Man, uh, he's playing. So what do you want? <laughs> and Jesus. and look, what you should do is sit down and study him so you can elevate yourself in whatever you're doing. Okay? That's what you should do instead of sitting up, living your life around anointing somebody or loving on somebody more than another person. Look in the mirror. Love on yourself. 
Oh, man. Seriously, man. man. Go, like, get up and go do something. Listen. After if, you watch Saul and I. If you're too hot about this, uh, <laughs> then uh, I got something for you. It's called OGs. How about that? OGs, the best edible in the game. Some of y'all need some damn indica in your life to calm your ass down, okay? Uh, go to OGsBrands.com. Find the closest dispensary to you. And go get some, go get some edibles. Chill out, y'all. We're just talking ball. There's nothing wrong with that. Killer X, you made a good point earlier, and I was about to bring it up, and then you shit all over us about LeBron. Chill out, guy. Chill out. Well, what about the guy that says, uh, <laughs> you know, we don't, we don't even talk about Jordan as much as we do LeBron? Cause Jordan not playing, man. <laughs> He's not playing. Oh Michael Jordan's off driving race cars somewhere. He's not playing anymore. It's not it's not these guys' fault, man. I played in the era of Michael Jordan. Played against him his entire career, okay? I understand. We didn't have uh, Twitter. We didn't have Instagram. We weren't able to still stay relevant to a high level, okay? These guys today, they have so many entities to be able to elevate and, and, and really accelerate uh, their viewership, and, and they're not... Why? Why are you worried? Look, it, it, why don't you just go and just, you know, turn on a Michael Jordan video? I got plenty of. I need to know Killer X. Uh, he said, I learned how to flop and complain to refs at an MVP level. LeBron did help me with that. I want to know, Killer X, do you flop in your day job? Like, and what is your day job? And I want to know what the situation looks like. No, you with flop, that. flop on the couch. <laughs> <laughs> flop, Listen, oh, flop on the couch. What, one of the things I do love about about the people that watch this show is is like they're passionate about ball. And listen, I, I, I'm not going to take offense to, to people being upset about LeBron and stuff like that. It's what it is, right? But we will talk about the Suns, and we're going to continue to talk about the Suns. And we're going to talk. This is not going to be an easy transition after we just glorified LeBron. And now we're going to talk about Booker and Elimination Games. But here we go. We're going to see here and talk about it. Um, I, whether you want to consider the other night an Elimination Game or not, to me, is kind of irrelevant. Um, but there has been four opportunities for um, Devin Booker to show out uh, in in a in a do or die situation. And the other night, in relation to the in season tournament, it was a do or die situation. And all four times, uh, he has not played to the normal, typical Devin Booker standard. Uh, you talk about games game six against the Bucks, game six against the Mavs, or I'm sorry, game seven against the Mavs, and then game six against the Nuggets. And then uh, Tuesday night against the Lakers. Um, and matter of fact, uh, his his shooting percentages and his scoring averages are almost damn near in half of what they normally are. The other night, the thing that concerned me about Devin Booker, uh, it, it, last year against the Nuggets, it was the foot, right? The foot was bothering him, and you can understand why he didn't play at a, at a huge level. Uh, the the series before that in in the Mavs. People said that maybe COVID was the issue and a bunch of other stuff. I have no idea if I can verify that or not. Whatever. And then the hamstring against the Bucks Last night, on paper, there's nothing wrong with him. Or Tuesday night, there was, there was nothing wrong with him. And he just did not look right. He didn't look comfortable. He looked – he didn't look sure of himself at certain points of that game. I thought he played an uncharacteristic – you know, he, he had an uncharacteristic lack of confidence, it looked like, in that game. And I couldn't – I can't figure out why. So I'm really hoping that you can shed some light on this, Eddie, because it just looked off. And again, this is in relation to Devin Booker's own standard that he has set for himself. This isn't because I'm comparing him to any other player. 
It's what Devin Booker has been able to do, has proven that he can do at various times in his career and in the playoffs. But for whatever reason, we get to these situations and he doesn't elevate his level to his normal standard. Yeah, you laid it out. You laid it out. Uh, He's got one. He's just got to be better. I think every player, they can put pinpoint some area of their game, their career, where they know they got to get better, and they've had a downfall. He's not the only one. Joel Embiid's never made it out of the second round, and yet Joel Embiid, right now, it's ridiculous, right? But a lot of people are looking at that, and they're saying, hmm. We want to see more. He had 50 last night. He's going to lead the league in scoring again. Uh, KD's going to make a run at him, obviously. Those two look like they're going to be nip and tuck all year. But he's just ridiculous. But people are saying, oh, you haven't gotten out of the second round. Mm -hmm. So every player has a hurdle, right? LeBron even has the hurdle, right? Uh, His hurdle is, is what? Michael Jordan. Yeah. Right? So every player has a hurdle. They have to get over and Devin right now has that in front of him. Jokic had that last year. Jokic had it. So uh, Devin has that in front of him. And the beautiful thing about that is it reminds you that you don't have it all yet. Like, and no player really that has played can actually say that. Michael Jordan, believe it or not, Killer Rex, was 0-7 before he won. 0-7. I was part of them teams that was drilling his ice. In the playoffs? No, just during the season. I'm oh, just saying. Okay. Drilling them. 0 and 7. Until he got Scotty. No. Until Stop. Scotty elevated. Scotty was part of some of those 0 no, 7. I mean, that no, he allowed Scotty to play. Okay. Tex Winter came on board. They invented the triangle. They convinced MJ to trust his teammates. He started to win. So everybody has a hurdle. So Devin has a hurdle. That forces him to concentrate, to focus, and know that he doesn't have it all despite financially having it all. It's up to him. Right, so uh, that's how I look at it, and I, I I believe in Devin. I do. I think eventually he figures it out, just like MJ had to figure it out, just like Kobe had to go figure it out once he thought that he could play without Shaq and was getting his ass handed to him. <laughs> wanted to retire. Wanted to be traded when the Suns kept drilling him. When they got Pau Gasol, started to be a better leader, and he won titles. Everybody goes through it. And Devin right now has his hurdle he has to overcome. And he will. I have trust in him. He looked sluggish the other night. Yeah. I, you know, he didn't look like himself. It's a little concerning after two days rest. He didn't look like himself. Uh, and... The energy wasn't there at the high level that you expect. They did some things to bother him. They did. Uh, Darvin Ham's a good defensive coach. Frank Vogel is too. Uh, and they they did some things. Like they trapped him up right as soon as he crossed half court, mm-hmm. especially when KD was off the floor. They wouldn't allow him to maneuver around. And uh, Vanderbilt, very good defender, mm-hmm. limp. 
you know, I thought, you know, got into them a little bit. Uh, some shots didn't go early, and uh, that's what happens. And so, yeah, it, it was not a, a good productive game uh, for Devin the other night, and uh, not totally on him that the Suns lost, but, you know, he knows that he has to be up there. Uh, in regards to production to help them win. I don't think Cam Reddish is necessarily a great defender by any stretch of the imagination, but he is an irritant, and he was irritating, I feel like, to Devin Booker. Um, I didn't think Devin, Devin handled those double teams well at all. I felt like he let, he let the doubles get too close to him before he made a decision to get yeah, rid of the ball. And, um, and so those are the things that he needs to adjust. And, and what's... What's concerning is, is that he had been doing such a great job against those same doubles um, before, prior to that. Like he had been getting the ball out of his hands, trusting that the ball would somehow find its way back to him. But this game, for whatever reason, you you look at that that half court, that back court violation. You know, like what are you doing, picking the ball up in that situation in the first place, and then dragging yourself to half court? And it just it was it's not good. There was things that were uncharacteristic about the way he played in that game uh, that kind of raised a little bit of a red flag to me. Like, hey, you got to adjust a little bit better than this. You are better than this. Got to play at a high level, and especially in a situation like that. Listen, it is what it is. People want to talk about the national narrative um, and how Booker doesn't get love and all this other stuff. And I've always said, Devin Booker's got to play elite in some of those nationally televised games, and he's got to do things that just grab your attention. Like, you know, you've seen Steph and you've seen Clay do that from time to time. You've seen the Giannis's of the world where they just drop 40 or 50 in a game or they hit crazy shots and you're just like, man, that's the dude right there, mm -hmm. right? Uh, Devin Booker's got to do that. And he has done that from time to time. But in this particular game, the only game at night against one of the league's cornerstone teams, against one of the league's cornerstone players, or if not the cornerstone player, and you, and you kind of lay an egg like that, it just feeds into that negative narrative about Devin Booker that some of the media has out there. And so I, 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 I get disappointed when he doesn't raise his game to that level because I want to see him succeed and I want to see him thrive. Right. So when he doesn't come with it and it looks like he's a little lethargic and he doesn't have his complete game together, it's just really disappointing because you know he's better than that. And so yeah. that's what I would say about, about Devin Booker in elimination games is that he's just better than that. and He's got to prove it. It's hard to win a title, man. It it's is. just hard to... And, you know, this is a title, mm -hmm. right, in season tournament. It's just hard. Like, it's one of the hardest things to do. Uh, individually, you can play well, but somebody else doesn't play well. Uh, you could be dealing with being nicked up. It's just something that's always going to be in front of you besides the opponent. And it's just not easy. And that's why we've seen so many great players go through an entire career, and they don't win one. A lot of luck is involved. The combination of players is involved. This is so, so many things, right? Like, I'll say to him blue in the face, if the Bulls had kept struggling, MJ wouldn't have been in Chicago his whole career. He just would not have because he wants to win. I've been around this dude. He hates to lose. And if it had come to that point where he could not get it together, he would have gone. He would have left. The great Isaiah Thomas told me on my radio show, Sirius XM NBA Radio, 4-7 every day. Check it out. Uh... He even told me, he said, you know, if we didn't figure it out, it's a possibility I could have left. Like, because they want to win. Yeah. It's not because they want to quit and give up. It's like they just want to go somewhere and win. 
And it's the drive to win. And so it's not easy. And I think Devin is seeing that all the success he's having, financial success, the individual success, all that, he's not thinking about that right now. He's already has that. Like that's in the, he he wants to win. And and that quest to go win is very difficult. You know, and when you got guys in front of you that have that quest to win as well, it makes it even more difficult. So that's just the way I view it. Uh, he has to be better uh, because he is the like head of the snake, and uh, you know. And when Bill gets back, I mean, he's gonna have to be even better. It's not gonna be easier. It's gonna be better because he's got to implement Bradley Bill and we'll, make it easy for him. We'll get to Bill in a second, but let me let me ask you this question because it's always something that gets brought up every single. It feels like every single episode, every single show we've ever had about basketball in general, about the Suns. Do they need, I know you mentioned it earlier about having needing a, at least a backup point guard. Do they need a point guard in general? Like, do you, do you feel like there is an absolute need to have somebody that can handle the ball and orchestrate and put everybody together on the same page every game? And is that a necessity for them to win a championship? Well, the challenge is, like, KD, Devin, Bradley, Bill, can they, like, move without the ball and come off screens and shoot? Yeah. But also a great significant part of their game is their ability to get get the ball and go create too. Mm -hmm. So I don't think they need a point guard that's going to create for them because they can create for themselves. It's more so we don't have you only have twenty four seconds of possession, so it's more so just a guy to, to alleviate some pressure, get the ball up court, push it up, all of that that they would need. And I think Goodwin has done a good job in his minutes that he has played. Uh, obviously, Saban Lee hasn't gotten an opportunity yet, but like I said, I wouldn't be shocked uh, if you know down the line that they. If it's if it's doable, plausible that they would grab a point guard, veteran player that they can have for insurance. But I think Devin is going to continue to be the point guard. I think people blow it up when he does have a bad game. He's had four, three games, I think, of five turnovers. Right, uh, a couple of times, five times, and this last game, seven. Up until then, in the month of November, he was only averaging a little bit over two and a half turnovers a game. Mm -hmm. Not turning the ball over. It's just when he does in a particular game, people say, Oh, he had seven turnovers. But he's not doing that every game, people. I think he's I think he's protecting the ball extremely well. Uh so I just wouldn't get too worried. Okay. All right, fair enough. Well, let's talk about Bradley Beal since you brought it up. Uh everybody again, we talk about the point guard thing, but everybody keeps talking about, well, we haven't seen the big three together. We haven't seen the big three together, which is true. And there is some validity to that. And Bradley Beal joining this team, whenever he does, will absolutely make a difference. But I don't know, again, I don't know if Bradley Beal is going to make the difference that people think he is going to in terms of some of the things that are fundamentally not sound with the Suns. Mm -hmm. The turnovers, uh, for instance, number one. Like yeah. I feel like you know Bradley Beal isn't stopping Nurkic from making lazy passes. Bradley Beal isn't stopping uh, players from looking at a player and seeing that there is a defender in the passing lane yet still throwing the ball. Like, Bradley Beal isn't fixing some of those things. But he will fix 
some of the other issues in terms of when Devin Booker is going to be faced with double teams, well, now he can throw it over to Bradley Beal in addition to Kevin Durant. So you have another guy that can get his own shot, create his own shot at will. That is going to help the team for sure. But again, I feel like I feel like there is a, a portion of fans that feel like Bradley Beal will be the cure-all for everything. And I'm here to tell you that's not going to happen because chemistry, in my opinion, as we get closer to the end of the season, will be more paramount than just Bradley Beal's addition to the Suns. Here's why I push back on you on that one. Okay. See, I think he will alleviate a lot of those problems because he'll have the ball in his hands. Like right now, when they have their rotation of players, right, normally after the start, after the first six minutes, then for the rest of the half, Devin and KD aren't on the floor together a yeah. lot of the time. With Bradley Beal in the lineup, you're going to have always two of those guys on the floor. And so now it takes responsibility away from some of these other guys in having to maybe, you know, be Bradley Beal. Mm -hmm. And they're out there trying to create. Like, you know, uh, Grayson Allen trying to do something. Eric Gordon, whereas now it, will, it won't happen. And so now a lot of the responsibilities that's been thrust on them is going to be now the responsibility of Bradley Beal, right, or KD, because they're going to be out there together, and those guys can sink into their role and catch and shoot and all of that, and they don't have to be creative. I think right now some of these guys are being forced to be creative, and they're not good at it, and it's pretty obvious. Uh, you know, on the telecast, I had to bite my tongue so many times because I know I see it, and but I'm sitting there watching. It's different when you're on the floor and it's like their time because they, you know, guys can shoot the gap. They got things on their mind. The guy's hanging on them while they're trying to do it. I'm just sitting there with my popcorn and drink and microphone having a good time, <laughs> and I'm breaking them down. So it's a little bit different, and I get it, uh, but I think that's where Bill is going to help. Like, it's going to take the responsibility away from Grayson, Eric Gordon, and all those guys to where now a lot of the stuff that they're going to be doing is really catching and shooting, mm -hmm. catching and driving, and not trying to facilitate for people. And we saw how awesome Grayson is at catching and shooting the other night, just so we all know. Yeah. So it, it, that that's the beauty of, I think, with when Bradley Beal does get back. And, again, I've watched him work out the last few games before the game. He looks good. So the back is tricky without a doubt, and the Suns are doing the right thing. You know, and, and saying, you know what, man, you got to be 100% before you step back on the court. And just watching his workouts over the last few games and seeing him, he's moving really well, man. And he, I'm telling you, dude shoots the heck out of the ball. So mm. let's just hope that he's able to get through this and we can finally get those three on the court. For sure. No, I, I agree. Uh, I think, you know, when you're talking about some of the role players and what they're being asked to do from time to time, uh, they're – I feel like some players, uh, like Eric Gordon, for instance, is trying trying to do too much, right? Uh, I can't count how many times I've yelled at the screen when he has been driving into the trees without a lane, trying to get a shot up, um, and it just doesn't work out. You know, Grayson Allen is a little bit different because he doesn't really force it as much. He will he will defer. He is trying to make things happen, but he's more in that facilitator mode when he does it, as opposed to trying to get his own shot. Uh, but again, that doesn't really work out as well because because he doesn't have the gravity that a Devin Booker or ever Kevin Durant do. So the the defense still remains honest, if you will. 
So it, it's been a, you know, it's been a little bit of a, of a, a learning curve for everybody to, to be sure. And yeah, and you know what? It's going to help them. Saul, because when Bill comes back, at least then when they have to do it, then they've had a little experience in yeah. doing it. So yeah, I, I, I get you, man. It's, it's, uh, it's all, look, this team was all built on the fact you have three guys that are very good. And the other guys are really role players. They'll stay in their definition of their job and do their thing. But unfortunately, all of them have been thrust into having to do more. Yeah. And, 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 but you're right on the passing, man. I, I I'm telling you, man, like, okay, I, obviously I wasn't Magic Johnson. It drives okay? me crazy. I wasn't Magic Johnson, but I'm going to tell you something. I was always the one that took the ball out of bounds. Coaches were never afraid to run a plate to me to make the next pass. Uh, if a ball had to be thrown into the post, I was 99% the guy to do it. Like, because I understood it, man. I was taught and I was educated on it. Like, angles is, was my life as a basketball player. Like, that's why I was good at scoring, because I knew angles. I knew how to get myself in position to be able to be potent. I totally knew it, man. And and so for me, passing the ball, the effort you put in, one dribble to the right to get the better angle, to throw it in, not like stand there and try to lob it over the top of somebody. Like angles, man, are so you, you important. You mentioned that the other day again with Nasir Little. Yeah, angles yeah. are so important, man. It just takes a little effort to, like, if a guy is guarding a guy high side in the post, okay, he's high side on the guy, and you're there, take a dribble over here. Now the guy's stuck on the high side, and then now you got an easy pass in, and the guy at a drop step to maybe lay it up. It's like, it's just simple. Like, and I guess I understand it because in college I posted up all the time, so I understand posting up. And then in the NBA, I was relegated to being that guy to throw the ball in. Mm -hmm. And I just understand it, man. Like, you throw it to the hand that's open. You throw it to the opposite hand. You 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 know, you hit the target. I mean, all those things, and I think players today have not been taught yeah. uh, at a high level in passing the ball, mm -hmm. man. And, you know, look, one, one, one pass away is better than trying to pass it cross court. In college, high school and college, you could pass the ball cross court all day long and get away with it. Mm. In the NBA, it's hard. Yeah. There's only a few players in the league that can throw cross court passes. Everything else will get picked off. And I think guys just, that's the growth I think our team has to go through. I, that might be my favorite two minutes of, of basketball talk that we've ever had here because as soon as you start talking about that, actually the other night on the telecast when you were talking about Nas not taking that one dribble to the left to be able to throw it into the post. Uh, I immediately thought about the fundamentals of basketball and the fact that you came up through the Big Ten and you had coaches, uh, you know, you had coaches like Bobby Knight, who was a funny, mm -hmm. very preached fundamentals to a T. Myself, I didn't play at that level, at the Division One level, but here locally, there was a, a coach by the name of Sammy Dwayne. He was a legendary high school coach mm -hmm. for Corona del Sol, and he he and, and my coach in high school at Marcos had a had a basketball camp. And Sammy Dwayne, I mean, oh my God, he would just absolutely 
imprint on your head. You got to take the extra dribble to throw it into the post, right. especially when you're on the wing over and over and over again. It's a fundamental thing that you have to learn how to do. It's not just about sealing off the guy down low on the block. If you're not in position to make the pass, it's going to get picked off. And it was the other night. It was yeah. a bad pass. So I, I love that. I love the fact that you brought that up again. The fundamentals of basketball have to to be better, especially when you're talking about turnovers in relation to the Suns this right. year. 22 is too much in an NBA game. Hell, it's too much at any level. Yeah, it and is. So, uh, no, well, I, I 22, 22 turnovers. Uh, you gave up 12 offensive rebounds, nine to Anthony Davis. And then you, you basically look at the box score. And you see that they shot low 40s. What they shoot, 37% from the field? Mm -hmm. Low 30s from three, and they beat you. That should never happen. Never. It should never happen. But those other, they got up 27 more shots, and that's why. Like, you, you allow a team to get up 27 more shots than you. If the Suns get up more equal or more shots than their opponent, they'll win basically most games. Yeah. That should be the blueprint. Like, if you can do that, you're probably going to really beat them because you're a better shooting team than most teams that you're going to play against. That should be the goal. Yeah, for sure. Hey, listen, uh, we, we're not trying to throw any shade over towards Nas Lil. You know, he's, he's been a great young player. Uh, I think he's physical. I think he matched up. I think he was probably one of the, the, the few guys that could match up with LeBron from a physicality standpoint. Uh, and I, I really like the progress that he's shown with this team this yes. year. Uh, but again, we're not trying to throw any shade. But if you want any shade, you can just throw on some shady rays, uh, some of the best glasses, uh, shades in the in the valley. You can go to the Kirlin Commons store, and you you can use promo code PHNX, and they will honor it there in the store. So you can pick it up. You can try all the the samples on and buy yourself two pairs for fifty percent off if you use promo code PHNX. Fantastic, right? Uh, and you could also go to their website, ShadyRays.com, and do the same thing. Get yourself a pair that over 250,000 people have given a five-star review to because they're fantastic. Um, so get yourself a pair today. Uh, before we wrap this up, you got into a little bit of a – or actually you, you, you put out a tweet the other day because the good old folks over at Fox, um, Skip Bayless and company, talked about um, today's culture in the game and – uh, the fact that no player, I think I think the quote was, no player would have ever called Michael Jordan the B word on the court. And you said, that's a damn lie, pretty much. <laughs> I, I don't have the exact tweet, but I just knowing you and in hearing you, being on a basketball court, doesn't matter who you are, uh, I can validate that that is not the truth. I've heard people call LeBron things on the court in the middle of a game, sitting courtside. Uh when you when you talk about when you when you had that response and that that reaction, what was going through your head? And do you have any stories about any said language? You know, because I mean we're competitive, man. So for somebody to say, "Oh, people were scared of of MJ," nobody's scared of him. Yeah, it's freaking basketball, man. Like I was scared. You know, one time I was scared when it came to basketball. Is when I went to high school games in Chicago and game bangers would be sitting on the front row and flashing their guns, telling us if we don't lose the game, something's gonna happen after. That's scared. That really happened? Oh, please, numerous times. Damn. 
That's scared, okay? Uh, telling us that, you know, if we win the game, they're going to, you know, flatten the tires on our bus. We're going to have to walk home through their neighborhood. They've done that when I played in high school. That's scary. Like, man, me being between the lines, I'm not intimidated by anybody, and nobody's intimidated by anyone. You know, that little rookie for Golden State, all up in the face of KD the other night when they were playing. You remember that little one got the hair? What's his name? He's got the long name. He can play left-handed. Yeah, talking junk. What about the kid the other night uh, for Memphis? Uh, Junior, Williams Junior, is it? I can't remember his name. I'm getting brain lock on these names. But he's, he's a rookie. Okay. Talking junk to Devin. Oh, yeah. Like, ain't nobody scared anybody between the lines. Why would somebody be scared of Michael Jordan or Kobe Bryant? Michael Jordan never had one damn fight in his career. In the 80s. He and Reggie Miller got into a little slapping contest. They, yeah. they look, he, he who, who did Michael fight? No, nobody. All right, Kobe he, got he, Kobe he, got sucker punched. He didn't he didn't fight, but he he also he did get some dirty hits from the. From no, the he was he was dirty like everybody else. And Xavier McDaniel was close, but they never. But he was it. dirty like everybody else. Michael ain't take no jump. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But my point is. He like he ain't Mike Tyson. <laughs> the only player sure. that I've ever been scared of on the court is Lonnie Shelton. That's it. That's it. I, you told that story before. Yeah, because I about- said I called Lonnie Shelton a fat ass, and he couldn't <laughs> guard me. And this dude spent the next ten minutes trying to take my head off until I apologized to him. <laughs> I literally said I'm sorry. He's the only dude. That t- Alvin Robertson, live wire. Okay. He ain't scared me, but I knew if something happened, I got to fight. Okay. Xavier McDaniel, every time we played each other, it looked like I thought, okay, I'm I'm going to have to fight the dude. Sooner or later, we're going to fight because we both going at it. I'll go up for a jumper and he'd be down. I'd be, yo, mama, <laughs> bullhead. I mean, just talking smack. Michael would jump out on me. You can't get this. You can't get this, dude. Like, we talk junk. Yeah, yeah. But somebody to say we didn't curse each other out or go at each other, you crazy? We all talk smack. That's what we did. Yeah. I mean, Larry Bird cursed me out before a game. I mean, like, I dare you think you're going to guard me. I'm going to whoop your ace. I mean, like, talking junk before the game started. We all talk junk. The only stuff to about, oh, no, everybody be scared to say something to Michael. Please. Everybody scared? Scared of what? What are you going to do? Yeah. I, I think there's a there's a healthy balance between not backing down and respect, right? Uh, I think like like Mo Wagner uh, <coughs> told a story about how, uh, and actually he told the story, and then somebody found the clip, which was fantastic, about how uh, he he did something. He, I think he shot a three and got fouled, and was just like, and he said, "You can't guard me," and turned around, didn't realize that it was Kevin Durant that fouled him, 
and he got to the free throw line. And he had to shoot three free throws, and Draymond, KD, and I forgot who the other one was. Quinn Cook. Uh, and, well, Quinn Cook was on the sideline laughing, but there was somebody else, and they're just giving it to him on the on the free throw line. And <laughs> he's at the free throw line. He missed the first one. He made the second one, and then he missed the third one. And he he said he, he remembers walking down the corner. He was just like, oh, shit, what did I just do? You know what I mean? Like, because you, 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 you might talk shit. That's fine. But you also have to respect what's and happening you gotta as well. Back it up. Too. You got to back it up. Gonna, yeah. If you're going to say it, then you got to be willing to back it up and and go for it, right? And uh, you know, and that, but that's man, that's ball, man. Like you grow up doing that, man. Like in Chicago, man, where I grew up, if you weren't tough, you couldn't play ball. Like they would take your heart. And I am serious, man. DeMarcus Cousins and, was and, the other guy. That's right. And I had guys, man, they – I mean, we go to different playgrounds, man, in these different neighborhoods, man. These dudes be like, man, hitting you, pushing you. What you going to do? Like, you either going to leave or you're going to fight through it. And the thing is, when the game's over and you're done, they'll look at you and they'll say, you're tough, dude. I like you. You know, yeah. it's like – it's just – and MJ was like that. Kobe's like that. I mean, they might think they're intimidating somebody, but they're really respecting you because you're getting them to ramp their game up. Like, you know, like it's a video online. I was playing with the Pacers, and I and I had said something to Michael during that game. They were down like eight or nine, and it ticked him off. I said it's over because they thought they were going to get the all-time. They, they got the all-time record, but they thought they were going to win, I think, 73, mm -hmm. and we beat them. And uh, I said something to him. I said, game over. Y'all not getting that record. Because they hadn't gotten it yet. And he just started chewing his gum. And the fool turned into a Tasmanian double to try to win the game. <laughs> and at the end of the game, he fouled me on a jumper. Mm -hmm. And he went ballistic. That was, was in on, Chicago. Yeah, it's yeah. on YouTube. People, yeah. you can find it. And he went ballistic. And I'm just laughing at him. And he was hot. And he walked off the court. And I said, man, what is wrong with you? And he's like, what? I said, what is wrong with you? He said, just be careful what you effing ask for. And he just walked away. <laughs> I started laughing. Because I got him. I, he, I ticked him off, you know, but it was all cool. I mean, yeah. he dapped me up, you know. And but but my point is, you know, that's what we did. So, you know, these water boys, man, you know, uh skip water pistol Pete Bayless. Some of these dudes on there in these shows, man. Nick, little, little Nicky Wright. You know, they're on these shows, man, talking like they know something. But, man, please. Eh, no. I'm not buying it. Nobody's scared of no one. I I, I wanted to bring that up because I knew you would you would have a, a pretty solid take about scared. that. So. <laughs> Did not curse out Michael. <laughs> please, man, used to call that sucker a bald head, you know what, and everything else. Known the man. <laughs> Uh, you, out, you out your mind? It's kind of funny, Eric. You know, you, you're kind of you're new to this, but like this this doesn't stop. Just so you know, like if you ever went and golfed with Eddie, it doesn't stop. The trash talk does not stop. It it stays the whole time. I knew from the first show that we did, <laughs> five seconds in, he he opened the door to the to the office and was immediately talking junk to your face. Yeah. And from that moment on, I was I was with it. I knew yeah. what was going yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. You, you, but you can't back down. You know what I mean? Like you, you just can't. 
Oh, you back down. No, no, bro. Come on now. Remember the last time you got salty on the golf course when we played together? I didn't get salty. You just lost you, your mind. You got bit. a little salty. You got a little salty. Who won? We were playing together on the same team. Ah, uh, gotcha. Yeah, but he wouldn't shut up during my backswing, so I had to give it to him. It's all good. We still love each other. And we love you for joining us today <laughs> on this show. <laughs> Appreciate you joining us. Make sure Later. you follow him at Jumpshot8. Follow me at Saul underscore Bookman. Follow the show at PHNX underscore Sons. Uh, we appreciate you joining us. Hit that like button on your way out. Go to YouTube or go to your favorite podcast uh, platform and give us a five-star review. We'd appreciate that. Yes, sir. Until next time, peace.